Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. your eyes. It's half past midnight, and you're listening to the Ghost Story Pass. Welcome to the Ghost Story, guys. I'm Brennan Storr. I'm Ian Gibbs. And this is the show where we talk about spooks, specters, and all the other things watching us from the shadows beyond the campfire. Some conversations only make sense after the sun has set, and this is most definitely one. Thanks for tuning in. This is episode number 91. And we're coming to you from that tiny mountain cabin you dream about, but can never quite reach. How you doing, Ian? Pretty good, Brennan. How are you doing? I am good. I'm actually very excited, not only for this fantastic selection of listener stories we have coming up, at least one of which is desperately frightening, (laughs) but you have some news that I'm very excited about. Well, you should be excited about because you made it happen. I I suppose technically that's true. I can't be No, you 100% made that happen. I said, yes, sounds like a good idea. And then you made it happen. So, (laughs) Victoria's Most Haunted enters the realm of audiobooks. Yes, it has been submitted to Audible. It is finished. And we're just waiting for them to do their quality assurance pass over. And I think... I think I learned enough from doing my book, A Strange Little Place, available on Amazon, (laughs) Audible. Can't even let me have this, can you? No, good God, I have to sell copies. Uh I have to pay for all my takeout sushi, Ian. It adds up. It adds up. (laughs) We used to go for breakfast every morning or every Saturday morning at this restaurant out in Saanich. But ever since the pandemic, I I just won't eat in a restaurant. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah, no, I just won't. And so what we started doing is now we go and we'll buy, uh, I buy takeout sushi from Fujia and Nick will grab takeout uh, drive-thru McDonald's. (laughs) <laughs> and then we go sit up on Ptolemy. Oh, I did that with my students a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, it's so nice up there. It is. Yeah, yeah. it really is. So, uh, yeah. So, I, my, my takeout sushi budget really has exploded. So uh, I can see why. Got to sell copies of A Strange Little Place available oh, on Fine Books. You sold. <laughs> Better choice, Victoria's Most Haunted. Well, I mean, it's a newer choice. Oh. <laughs> and then so, yeah. um, you've got more coming up, right? We do, yeah. So uh, Victoria's Most Haunted, again, as we said, has been submitted to Audible. And as soon as it's approved and available for sale, we will uh, we will blast it everywhere and um, let you know. Uh, and yeah, we have two more books uh, in the pipeline now. I'll start work on the next one probably tomorrow. Oh, wow. And, yeah. And that book is legendary ghost author Barbara Smith's new book. Woohoo! Yeah, Deadly Paranormal. It's like only available online, correct? Yes, it, it you can buy physical copies, yeah. but it is only sold through Amazon. Uh, right. She has direct published this one herself. She was actually going to, I'm telling tales a little bit out of school here, but I don't think she'll mind. And if she does, well, she doesn't listen to the show. So, <laughs> uh, But she had told me she was going with a traditional publisher uh, and decided not to because it would be another year before the book was released. 
That's true. And so I think she wanted to get it just out into the world now. And uh, so, yeah, it, she's published through Kindle Direct. And uh, we will be, again, hopefully getting the audiobook into production tomorrow or the day after and finished sooner than it took me to finish your book because that took a little while. Yeah, sorry. It's quite a dense and reputable tome. <laughs> no, no. Victoria's Most Haunted. Your, your book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah shut up <laughs> so yeah so deadly deadly paranormal is the one to watch out for again that's out now you can order uh you can buy it via kindle or uh, physical copy through amazon and the uh yeah the audiobook will be out hopefully soon ish uh, amazon takes anywhere from one to two months to approve it so oh, good lord I will get it out just in time for Halloween. Yeah, I guess that's going to be about it too. There you go. And then there will also be true ghost stories for kids. And that is another Barbara Smith book. So that will be out probably about the same time, hopefully towards October. Oh, that's good because um, right for Halloween, you can buy the audible book with Barbara's scary ghost stories for kids and play it for your kids and scare the crap out of them. Exactly. Yeah. Ruin their sleep and yours by extension. Hey, but it makes Halloween better. So it's all worth it. That's what I'm going to say because I want to get paid. (laughs) And uh, the only other thing that's new and noteworthy is that my two-part interview with the Capital Daily podcast is finally out. Oh, I listened to the first part. It was really good. Oh, thank you. I know. Shockingly, I listened to it. (laughs) And it was really good. My mother said that. My mother told me, oh, I listened to the first half of your interview and it was really good. And I thought, wow, you listened to an interview I did? That's Well, probably because it was so short. Like, no offense, but... No, that's fair. I, I get it. <laughs> it was minutes. manageable. That's It was a manageable size to listen to. I get that a lot. Oh, it's a manageable God. size. It's a manageable. It's not great, but you know, it's manageable. Wait, wait, slow down. Slow down. It is what it is. All right, moving on. <laughs> Good plan. If you want to listen to that, you can either uh, go to our website, ghostoryguys.com, and click the link in our blog, or you can search for The Capital Daily wherever you get your podcasts. That is about it. So we're going to take a quick break. We'll come right back. Oh, of course, not just with listener stories, but uh, a little weirdness. Oh, yes, from last week. Yes, a little weirdness as well. So we'll be right back with that. Welcome back. As we said before the break, on this episode, we're going to be telling another great crop of listener stories. But before we do, we wanted to talk about something that happened on the last episode. And I realize as I'm saying this, it's it's the tone of voice normally reserved for, you know, very special episodes of Saved by the Bell where (laughs) Jesse gets hooked on caffeine pills. (laughs) It's not like that. It's not like that at all. Uh, No, this is a sound that happened during the recording that we just can't make sense of. We're going to play it for you in a second here, but before we do, we just want to say that when it happened, we we both heard it on the recording. Right. Uh, and I, I thought you had spoken. Right. And you, th- and you thought I had spoken. Well, because we do have those cutouts from time to time where, you know, we're talking and we get nothing back and then we're like, hello, hello. And then all of a sudden you reappear on the audio. Because we're using, uh, we're using Zencaster. Yeah. So sometimes there's that little bit of a delay there. So I thought maybe that's what was going on. Right. Yeah. But um, it, it didn't seem to sync up with what we were saying at the time. No. And so when we looked at the original audio, of course, because this is recorded in two different streams, one from my house, one from yours, it wasn't on mine. It was on yours. Right. 
But as you said, you don't have speakers on that computer. I do not. And you weren't watching anything at the time. Nope. So we're not sure what the hell it is. And we're going to play it for you in a sec. But I, th- I thought what we'd actually do before that is play two other strange things we've had kind of crop up on on this show. Or actually, in the case of the first one, it cropped up when I was recording my radio show, Largely the Truth, back in 2018. I was totally alone in the office, which was our old original office, the, the 1218 office, the very haunted, haunted office. Yeah. Yes. I was getting a lot of electrical interference. And then when I was listening, when I was listening to it back as I was editing it, I heard, well, I'm just going to play the clip for you here. I met Ash 10 years ago in a Casablanca hostel, and he was a great guy. He partnered up with my cousin and I who were traveling. So now we listened to that again just before uh, going to air. And you said you don't actually hear what I hear. You, you just hear electronic distortion. Yeah. I, I mean, when you said you can't hear it, say hello. It's like, oh, yeah, I guess. But no, my first instinct is I hear. The second clip that we have, this was from episode, uh, I believe, 55. Okay. And we are talking about your about your blood sugar, I believe. Right. I, think, I think this is around the time that uh, that your body went bluey. Yes. Yes. That was a bad year. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So here's that clip. Like a uh, normal blood sugar for a regular human. Right. <laughs> is in Canada, because it's different in the States, is 4.5 to 6.0. Oh, good. So to me, again, just after you finish speaking, it sounds like someone's saying, that's right. But again, to you, it was just distortion. Right. Right. I'm fascinated by that. And, and I guess that's a, yet another reason why we, there's really no objective truth to any of this stuff. Right. I mean, and I've seen it on the ghost shows, you know, I was telling you before I was watching, um, you know, one of these shows and you hear, rah, 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 and they're like, oh my God, clearly he's confessing to the murder of a 17th century witch. And you're like, <laughs> what? <laughs> like, I guess I'm just stupid. Like, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. Well, I mean, some of those guys, I think are frantically trying to, to generate material to justify their salaries. Well, yeah, I mean, it's like you, you stir your coffee, you can see anything you want in there, right? So, <laughs> so very true. <laughs> and yeah, so we, we had uh, this turn up on the most recent show, and now I'm going to play that clip for you. And now I think that is a much more distinctive voice than the others. Do you, would you agree? I would agree. I would agree. I have no idea what it's saying, but yeah. Yeah. And funny enough, I shared this with, uh, with a few people, uh, but I was, I was talking to Steve and Rachel about it and we both agreed or we all three of us agreed that it's almost so distinct. It seems impossible to be supernatural, if that makes sense. Right, 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 right. Like it's so clearly a thing. Well, and my, I mean, my experience with microphones and you said, yeah, well, these are digital and it's different was I remember doing concerts and the mics would suddenly start acting like antennas and we would be grabbing radio stations through the speakers. So you'd be standing there in relative silence and all of a sudden a voice starts coming through the speakers and you're like, what? Right. Um, And it would happen with the wireless speaker sometimes too. And the sound guy would have to change the channel. Um, Right. But, uh. I don't know. And see, that was the thing. Like, I didn't feel anything weird here. Although that was the night we had uh, all those. Oh, my God. Nightmare audio problems. Nightmare. And the weirdest Internet problems. Yeah, that that was a it was it was an odd night for that reason. Like we we lost about an hour. I know. And we almost gave up. Yeah, we almost recorded at the end at the end of the week. Yeah, because there's just nothing else we could do. 
Yeah. So again, we're, we're not, I'm, I'm not much for EVP and stuff like that generally. No. no. Uh, so I'm not saying it's one thing or another, but I am curious to hear what uh, you, the audience thinks. What do you, what do you, what do you think? What do you hear? And especially with that last clip, is it maybe, do you recognize it? Is it maybe something that you like, again, is it a broadcast that got picked up and you think, oh yeah, no, that's a clip from this. Right. You know, is it like that time I was interviewing someone and was really bored and opened up a certain adult website that had a very specific, uh, shall we say, like opening jingle? You did not. I did. And <sighs> I had to very- and did that person hear it? No, no, no. But it went onto the recording and <sighs> I had to very skillfully no. edit it. No. <laughs> yeah. That's fantastic. Oh yeah, it doesn't speak. It's a long time ago. It's a, um, I actually know a kid who enjoys uh, cranking that particular sound up at Starbucks, and he has it just as a little MP3 file. Oh no! And he'll walk in and sit down, and then he'll hit that MP3 file and see. He looks to see who will turn around because obviously <laughs> they obviously know the same sound. It's really they, funny. They know damn well what it is. Oh, they're filthy little monsters. Yeah. Yeah, and you out there, those of you who know what I'm talking about, you too should be ashamed. <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, maybe it's something like that and not that specifically, but maybe Ian had a particular website loaded up and he just doesn't want to admit it to me. <laughs> so <laughs> no, I did not. I'm sorry. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so we have a, a story coming up. We're going to finish the show with it and I just love it because it, it scared the shit out of me. <laughs> but it deals with electronics as receivers. Right. But for something very, very different. Oh, yeah. And, I would say. Yeah. So it was kind of fortuitous that we had that story at the same time as all these anomalies. Because there, there are one or two other things we're going to bring up after when we talk about that story, because I think we do need to talk about it. But uh, we wanted to play these clips now. So you could kind of let that percolate in the back of your mind as we go forward with the stories. And again, maybe by the end, you'll have some suggestions for us because we, mm -hmm. would, we would love to hear it. Mm -hmm. But for now, we're going to get to the stories. Our first story for this episode comes from Ellie. I hope you're both safe and well. I've been listening to your podcast for about a year now, and I love it so much. Thanks, Ellie. Until recently, I'd never had a paranormal experience, and I didn't think I even believed in ghosts. Despite this, I never listened to the podcast alone, since I find most of the stories frightening. I don't expect you to read this on the podcast or anything. Well, surprise. <laughs> but I have been experiencing some kind of mild haunting in the past few weeks. The thing is... It's not actually scary at all. I guess I never knew what to expect from seeing a ghost, but I think once you described it as seeing them with your mind rather than your eyes. It's difficult to articulate, but that's what it's like for me. Back in June, I lost my grandmother to COVID-19. Sorry for naming names. She was 86, so you wouldn't describe her death as a tragedy. But what was heartbreaking was that we couldn't say goodbye or go and see her in the hospital. In the last few weeks, I've been seeing almost clearish or see-through flashes from the corner of my eyes at night. I also see a human-like shadow in my living room doorway, and have often felt like someone was behind me when sitting at my desk. Even though I always imagined these things would be deeply terrifying, I haven't been scared at all, and I can only attribute it to my grandmother. It's comforting to know that sometimes when the paranormal does make its appearance, it's not necessarily something to be feared. It feels very normal 
somehow comfortable. Anyway, maybe I'll be able to listen to some episodes on my own now. So thank you for that story, Ellie. Yeah, that was really sweet, actually. Yeah, and and we're both really sorry to hear about your grandmother. Yeah, I mean, this is, yeah, it's 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 going around. Yeah, sadly, I know there's a lot of our listeners who are in very precarious situations right now mm-hmm. with uh, with what's going on in the world. So she also brings up a really good point about sometimes you know it happens, death happens, and then a haunting happens, and it's not what you expect. Yeah, that's very true. It's actually not that bad at all. <laughs> yeah. But, and I think that uh, we've talked about this so many times about how, you know, sort of the standard narrative is haunting equals scary. Right. You know, and, and I mean, in fairness, we kind of, we, it's a narrative we are not shy about pushing here because no. it makes for great entertainment. Sure. But yeah, it, it, it absolutely does not have to be, to be terrifying. Like it, it can be reassuring. It can be all kinds of things. Yeah. I mean, some of them are, don't get me wrong. Some of them are absolutely terrifying. Oh yeah. We got a couple of those lined up, believe me. But, but plenty aren't, you know, plenty are just kind of mundane or they happen and then you realize it afterwards or yeah, it's, there's more than one way to uh, discover or experience a haunting. That's for sure. Yeah. So we're, we're both happy that, uh, that you got to experience it this way and not the terrifying way that the person at the end of the show <laughs> had to experience. Thank you so much, Ellie. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. This story comes from Katie. Before I start, I will give you a little background on the place I worked. It is a shopping complex of about eight buildings that date back to the early 1800s. It served as a trading outpost during the Civil War, and was one of the largest exporters of cotton on the East Coast until 1950. It has seen all kinds of people. The place that I worked at was a little ice cream shop that also sold sandwiches. Going in, I knew that the place had some activity. Being someone who has been experiencing paranormal activity since I was young, I wasn't too worried about it. On my first day of work, my boss was talking to me about the spirit that frequented that location. Apparently, it was a little girl possibly a result of a brothel that was in one of the buildings within the complex. As he was telling me about all this, I felt a light tug on my shirt, almost like a child trying to get my attention. I looked down, thinking my shirt had gotten stuck on something and nothing was there. I could feel the hairs on my body raise and I looked at my boss, who smiled and said, She's just saying hi. Yeah, forget that noise. That was the first experience of many. The little girl hated the Beatles. If they would come on the radio, she would change it or turn the volume down. She was a very mischievous spirit, and she liked to dump over ice cream toppings and would change the temperature of various kitchen appliances. But one experience in particular almost made me quit my job on the spot. It was the end of the day and I was getting ready for closing duties. I was the only one in the shop that day, so I called my significant other to let them know I'd be home soon. While I was on the phone, I was filling sinks to wash dishes. When I got off the phone, I placed my phone on the cooler across from the sinks. All this water business made me have to use the restroom. I cut the water off, walked out of the shop, and locked the door behind me. When I returned, I went back to working on my closing duties. While I was gathering stuff to wash, I realized my phone wasn't sitting on the cooler anymore. I thought, huh, that's strange. I remember putting it right there. Continuing to search for my phone, there was a nagging voice in my head telling me to look in the sink. Lo and behold, my phone was sitting in the bottom of the sink full of water. 
I grabbed the phone out of the sink, and when I did, I felt what seemed to be little hands tugging on my shirt. My soul left my body. Like I said before, I was the only one working, and as much as I wanted to run screaming, I had to stay and close the shop. I felt like I was being watched the whole time, and I'm pretty sure my goosebumps never left my body. When I finished everything and was able to lock up, I ran to my car. I continued to work there for the next several months, but never closed alone again. A few more strange things happened while I finished my time there, but never to the extent of my experience. It's definitely something I will never forget. And first off, uh, thank you, Katie, for sharing that. Mm-hmm. But I tell you, you ever want to make me throw hands, ghost, you fuck with my cell phone. <laughs> You'd be cracking out the sage in no time. Oh, I will I will lug an entire, what is it, bush? Does they come in bushes? Sage? <laughs> an entire sage tree? Sage root? I don't know. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. A sage a beast? You know, you just carve off the height, whatever. Oh, my God. In there and I will smoke you out to hell. That is so that funny. Garbage. <laughs> cell phone. anything but the cell phone that's it that's it do what you want to me strike my lungs but don't hurt the cell phone oh that's it strike me down i will come back much stronger but my cell phone is expensive and still (laughs) oh i you know i I gotta say though i there is a certain appeal and i don't think i would actually enjoy it but i think now that i'm a you know i'm a grown man and i have like i actually you know i i get paid to do the podcast and i enjoy that but I have these sort of fantasies about what would it be like to just work at like an ice cream shop again, you know, right, like, like right. a retail job like I used to. Yeah. But then when I'm doing delivery at night, I go into some of these shops and I see the absolute garbage way these poor people are treated. Yep. And I think maybe not. Well, because you realize, oh, right, the public. Yeah, that, that's it, right? <laughs> that's the a notion big part of, of the problem. Cleaning <laughs> the glass and sweeping the floor. That seems kind of fun making people. I used to like making sandwiches, you know, back sure. when I did that. But yeah, the second someone comes in, starts sticking their finger in your face because they they ordered the wrong thing, but they're going to try and blame you. Yeah, is the that's the second the uh, the enchantment wears off, and I end up going to jail for murder. I know, I know. You have no off switch in that way. No, no, I really don't. <laughs> I, I actually volunteered at a thing uh, a couple years ago. I was a volunteer <clears throat> photographer, and so, through some quirk of fate, they ended up drafting me to work the volunteer coffee tent. Uh-oh. Now, you know me. If, yep. I tr- if, if I volunteer to be a thing, you will be I there. expect to, I, will, I will be there, but I will be that thing and I will be that thing alone. Right. Do not expect me to float. That is, that's not what I do. No. And somehow I got, I got hoodwinked into manning the coffee tent. They said, oh, it'll only be for 15 minutes. It, it was for an hour, I'd like to add. <laughs> um, but this, almost immediately, this French guy came, came up. And was so, so rude and dismissive because I was serving him coffee. He's a volunteer too. We're literally, we're on the same plane. Wow. And I, I don't remember what I said to him. It wasn't very nice. He looked aghast. And, but I, I swear to God, it was that or I just twist his head off. Right. Like, like the predator and swing it around by his spinal cord. You know, like I, <laughs> oh man. And someone came along and said, what's, what's wrong? I said, I, I am not, I am not built for this. Yeah, for interacting with humans. No, look, like contactless delivery, what we're doing right now with these with these delivery companies, that's wonderful. Yeah. I leave your food on your doorstep, I knock, and I leave. I never have to talk to you. It's a good day. <laughs> that's awesome. Our next story comes from Fiona. My story is concerned the man in the hat. 
or the man in the fedora as I refer to him. It is both comforting and unsettling to listen to stories from others about this mysterious figure. My man in the fedora is dressed in a brown suit, white shirt, black tie. He first appeared in a house I stayed at with a partner when I was about 20 years of age. The first encounter was brief, but intense and terrifying. I now know it was sleep paralysis. For me, the experience was always the same. I would wake up to find a male figure, literally a dark shadow with substance in the bed looming over me, pressing me down into the mattress. I couldn't move. I couldn't scream. In reality, I'm told I was whimpering. In the sleep paralysis state, it is like the words are coming out distorted. Get off me. Get off me. First, I thought maybe I just needed some space in the bed, you know? Maybe my then partner was crowding me in my sleep. But over the years, this experience has repeated time and time again with different partners and when solitary, which I mostly am by choice. I was about 30 when I was in a relationship with someone, and the sleep paralysis dreams reached epic night terror state, leading to a severe depression. I'd been on a contraceptive pill, now banned for its noted side effects. So I just thought that was the cause of seeing this man in the fedora and my peripheral vision went away. If I closed my eyes, I could see the details of the brown suit the weave of the fabric, and the fedora hat, but never the face. I couldn't see the figure straight on, only sense it. Or upstairs in the bedroom I'd be awake, but see him downstairs in the lounge, sitting in one of the armchairs. Then a moment later, gone. It took six months to clean up that chemical hormonal mess in my body, and over time things did get better. I kept having the sleep paralysis experience, though and started to explore the lucid dreaming instructions about working on confronting the figure. And eventually, I was able to push it off me and tell it no. Around my late 30s, I gave up drinking alcohol, and for a decade or so seemed to be free of the dark figure climbing into my bed and looming over me, pressing me into the mattress. Then, in my mid-40s, I moved into an old family-owned house with my mother to help care for her. In this house, I felt that something was present. Little things at first like noticing the weird tug on the other side of a door as I tried to open it, or a strong sense of being watched or followed. There was never anything there except, well, my best description is sort of gray, shadowy things. These gray things, which I thought of as being like giant, shapeless dust bunnies, seemed to gather in the corner of my mother's bedroom, and the feeling in that room was quite unpleasant. I used to say I felt like I was walking into a trap such as a spider sets up for the fly. After a while, I decided to mention it to my mother that I thought perhaps we had a ghost or a presence living with us, figuring she would put me right. She's a rational woman after all. Her response was, yes, I think so too. That's why I locked the door at night so it can't get in. My mother needed to go into care, and I noticed the gray thing seemed to leave too. I did a bit of house cleansing, light smudging, and the energy in the house was much lighter. I'm still a bit uneasy there alone, more because it wasn't always the best neighborhood. But one night, I had an intense sleep paralysis experience. It was different to my usual, though. I woke up aware that my body was stuck, unable to move in the bed. This feeling was familiar, and I had a sense of dread that, oh no, not again. But nothing got into bed with me. Instead, my dream self was able to get up and move into the hallway. I was terrified because I knew someone was in the house. I was beyond terrified, actually. It's hard to describe the feeling. I stood there in my hallway, and walking towards me was the man in the fedora hat. He was holding a bunch of yellow flowers, this time wrapped in white paper. Again, I couldn't see his face. It was just shadows, but I knew he had no facial hair, 
and I also knew something terrible was going to happen. I thought he was coming for me and that he was finally going to kill me, but, and this is the weird part, this figure moved through me, and as it did, I had the most electrifying and exhilarating sensations throughout my entire body, and the figure walked out the front door, through the door, he didn't open it, into the night. It was like he, it, hadn't seen me. I then actually woke up shaken and frightened and turned on the light and stayed awake the rest of the night after checking the house was locked up and all the lights were on. I then had another sleep paralysis experience, but this was different again because I actually did wake up and in that moment of waking saw a figure floating on the ceiling above my bed. My immediate thought was dad who passed away many years ago, but then terror gripped me. Lights went on, and another night sitting awake wondering what the fuck was going on. Yes, I moved out. I'm 50 now, and I feel that it has stopped. That the man in the fedora hat and I are done with each other. And I suppose I will never know what it was all about. Why he, it, followed me all these years. I want to express my gratitude for the inclusive and defiantly empowering space you provide to people who've had difficult experiences paranormal and dealing with challenging relationships, self-esteem issues, etc. And with a sense of humor, goodness knows if we don't laugh about it, we'll never be able to stop crying or screaming into an abyss. And yeah, truer words were never spoken. Thank you, Fiona, for that. That was, that was a powerful history. Oh man. was That was wasn't ever... just one story. That was a history. That was intense. The, the first thing that occurred to me was the sort of the, the severity of the effect of the birth control. Right. Because I know there was a woman um, I knew, I won't say from where, although it's, it's fairly easy to find this information, uh, but she died as a result of complications from her birth control. Oh, no. Yeah. She, she was on a, a particular kind. I believe it may be off the market. It may even be the same one that Fiona was talking about. Oh, wow. But uh, yeah, it was, there, there was a real, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, a real danger of strokes. Right. Yes. I remember for, that. I remember the, that especially for, for people who were obese as this young woman was. And, yeah. uh, yeah, it, it, it killed her. Mm. It, she died. She, she had a stroke and, uh, that shit is no joke. Like I, I recognize it serves a great function, but, um, yeah, if you're on something like that and it starts fucking with you, man, that's, that is no bueno. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Especially if it leads to shit like this. I mean, Jesus, you know, it's, it's bad enough. You need to worry about mood swings and, you know, strokes, you throw friggin' shadow people on top of that. That just seems cruel. <laughs> no <I'm> kidding. <laughs> I, I was fascinated by the dream part of that. It passed through her. Right. What yeah. do you make of that? I don't know. I think maybe, you know, she was experiencing it leaving and it was just letting her know it was leaving. Interesting. Yeah. I think it was finding its own way to be like, well, I'm off to someone else now. What a dick. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think I've mentioned this on the show before, but I used to know a woman who, whose family was beset with these experiences. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they would have the same thing where to them, they were experiencing these shadow visits. I don't know if the shadows ever actually got into the bed, but it, they, would, they would see these shadows. They would be tormented by these shadows. And in, in reality, while they were asleep, they would be whimpering something fierce. Wow. So, yeah. So I, it just... Fascinating that people are going through this, although mm -hmm. I gotta say, I'm glad I'm not. Yeah, I would agree. This story comes from Therese. As a doctor, I do feel like there are things that happen that defy what we know of science and nature. My story is one of them. My first year of residency started with the birth of my oldest child. 
My parents were in town to help my husband and me at home, but while they were here, my father fell ill and passed away unexpectedly. It was absolutely devastating because he entered the hospital before I could bring my son home, and they never got to meet. My dad seemed to be in and out of lucidity during his long hospital stay, and in hindsight I think he knew it was his time, because even in one of his most lucid moments he told me regarding my son, I would have liked to see him grow up. I reassured him, not would have, you will, but it seems like he knew better. After that, when I would watch my son in his crib on the nanny cam, the night vision would often pick up a round light floating in the bedroom. It would slowly move from the window on the right side of the camera to the bedroom door on the left side. It seemed to happen sporadically, sometimes moving upward into the ceiling, sometimes disappearing in mid-flight. Sometimes it even paused in front of the camera briefly. It never seemed to bother my son, although he would sometimes stir a little when the light would appear. I chalked it up to dust kicked up by the air vent, which was near the window, or an insect, since we had issues with those in our apartment. But part of me always wondered if it was something else, like those orbs I had heard and read so much about before, and if it was my dad watching over my son as he slept. The thought gave me comfort, but I didn't give it much credence. Flash forward a year and a half. I'm expecting my second child, a girl. My husband chose to name her after my dad. I was on multiple medications for various problems complicating my pregnancy. The pregnancy was a strange one. I would often comment to my mom things like, I can't imagine what it will be like having another baby, or I have a hard time picturing what she'll look like, or what her personality will be. And it was true. With my oldest, I could so vividly picture him as a little boy running around with a funny and quirky and kind of nerdy personality. And I was right, by the way. But with my second, I didn't have any sense of that during my pregnancy. I almost had this feeling of disassociation. It was worsened by the fact that she never really kicked or moved as much, and I spent many evenings crying with anxiety to my husband. I had just entered my third trimester. I woke up one morning belly swollen, but I didn't feel pregnant. I went to my office and used one of our machines to try to find the baby's heartbeat, and when we couldn't, I called my doctor. They had me come in for an ultrasound, and they confirmed it. My daughter, who up until this point had been completely healthy, was dead. I was induced that night. When you have a baby, there is a joy that comes with holding them for the first time, hearing them gurgle and feeling them squirm, seeing them open their eyes for the first time. You don't expect to hold their lifeless, soundless weight. The doctors discovered at the time of her birth that she had a very rare umbilical cord defect. They said it was like being struck by lightning. She was otherwise perfect, even after all the post-mortem tests. That's what they concluded. It was so unfair. Needless to say, my husband and I struggled through our loss. We had a huge showing of support from our friends and family, which helped immensely. I sank into a deep depression and struggled with the unfairness of it all. As it stood, my relationship with God was already rocky at best after the loss of my dad. I was just starting to recover it before I lost my daughter, and suddenly I felt completely abandoned. I prayed for a sign that she was okay, that she was at peace, anything to give me some sort of closure. One day I was watching my son sleep on the nanny cam as usual. We had recently brought my daughter's ashes home. As I was watching the screen, I happened to notice the light I had seen so many times before. But this time it wasn't alone. There was another light beside it. They both seemed to hover together for a moment in front of the camera, as if to make sure I saw them, and then disappeared upward into the ceiling. The atmosphere in my apartment changed. It felt lighter, and a sensation of calm settled on me. I never saw the lights on the nanny cam again, and it has now been over a year. 
Maybe in my grief I was imagining things or inflating them in my mind, but I can't help but wonder if that light I had seen over the past two years was actually my dad, and could the second light I saw that night have been my sweet daughter's spirit with him? I like to think that he was waiting for her, to guide her home and keep her safe while I no longer could. The idea gives me a great sense of peace and helps me come to terms with my dad's death, which seemed so untimely and senseless, but now suddenly had more meaning. Maybe my daughter was never meant for this world, as foretold by my strange pregnancy, and maybe there was purpose in my dad's passing. While he couldn't be there for my son in life like he wanted, he was there for his granddaughter in death, and I would like to think they are always together, waiting patiently for the rest of us and watching over us. It's not very scientific, but there it is. I don't even have the words. No. I sort of drafted you to specifically respond to that one because I, I just <laughs> do not have the emotional machinery necessary. No, I, I just I just immediately go, me sad. That's about as, as deep as I get. It's so sad. It's so awful. Like, I can't even imagine. And the fact that she could find some comfort in the middle of that is really a gift. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Because you and I have talked before about how I, I'm uncomfortable when people start treating their dead relatives like they're like like reborn gods you know right like, oh, right, gran right grandpa made sure that it, it, the sun came out for our picnic today like, right oh, right right come on come on grandpa's, <laughs> grandpa's out there banging marilyn monroe he's got better things to do <laughs> but yeah you know so I, I sometimes think like Ugh, really but but something like this you know it, it seems not only a comforting story but I, I think a plausible one right you know i mean i i, I struggle with the idea of life after death and it's because I think I want it to be true. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I get I, it. Because as I've mentioned before, we've we've had a lot of people in my family die. Right. You know, uh, family and friends. I've had yeah. friends die. Yeah. And there are a lot of people I wish I, I, I wish I could see again and I hope to see again. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think that's where I struggle with, with the concept of the afterlife because I want it so bad. Yeah. No, I understand that. And for me, it's like, eh. <laughs> <laughs> guess I'll find out <laughs> in fairness you've known a lot of assholes like, I mean, yeah. you know. <laughs> but I'm also kind of like well I guess we'll find out I mean it's comforting to think that but right. if it is great if it's not it's not I have no control over it so guess we'll find out no fair and, enough hey that's kind of exciting in its own way too right yeah it, well, and I think that's always the, aside from seeing you know people you love again because I think if there is an afterlife and if we do see people after we die I think they're going to be different yeah you know, they're going to be the people we remember, but they're also going to be different because, you know, I don't think the entirety of the personality necessarily survives the transition. Yeah. Yeah. And I think also they have an existence over there. Yeah. You know, so there's always that, that, that growth. But I do think there is like this core of the person that you still recognize and you still connect with. That appeals to me, the notion of reconnecting with people, but also the notion of, of there being more worlds to explore. I agree. Yeah. Like that really excites me. This idea that, all right, we're done here. Uh, and now here's another world where there's lots of shit to figure out and you don't have to pay rent. <laughs> well, maybe you do. Maybe it's like in Beetlejuice. Oh, dude, if I get over there and I have to work <laughs> in the undead DMV and pay undead rent, I am going to so be funny. real pissed off. So great. Yeah. It's just another plane of existence and it kind of sucks. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have another another little crappy uh, basement apartment where I don't get any natural light. <laughs> Jesus, awesome. but uh, anyways, g getting back to the story, Teresa's story. Uh, thank you for sharing that with us because that's yeah, that's not yeah. an easy thing to share. No, that's a big one, and and we both really appreciate that. 
yeah, and I, and I hope we told it respectfully. And, and me talking about someone's granddad banging Marilyn Monroe was not uh, entirely. Well, you're a pig, but she knew that before she wrote in, so we're probably okay. Okay, good. Yeah. Our next story comes from Grace. I love listening to your podcast. You've been keeping me company while I work on renovating my new old house. I recently listened to your episode with stories of places people would come across once and then not be able to find again. And I wanted to write in a lighter hearted story from an experience I had as a child. My grandfather lived in a big house in a wooded area. His house was at the end of a winding street surrounded by trees. Looking back, it felt more of a fairy tale scene than a real place. It was so beautiful. All the homes were perfectly tucked away in the trees, each uniquely pretty in their own way. Being from the Midwest, I didn't realize at the time how rare pretty wooded neighborhoods like this were. My grandfather's house backed up to a ravine, which was the most amazing place to play as a child. My brothers and I would venture out each time we visited, hiking to the bottom and exploring along a small creek. Truly, some of my best childhood memories were here. One day, my brothers and I ventured out to the bottom of the ravine to explore. This time, we were with our cousins, who were just a few years older than us. We played close to them until we came across a surprisingly large oak at the bottom of the ravine. It was towards that point in fall when most of the trees have changed, but this one remained green. I remember looking back to my two older cousins playing about 15 yards away, and then my two younger brothers and I walked past the tree. Within a very short walk, we were in an open field of lilac flowers for as far as the eye could see. Keep in mind, we were supposed to be at the bottom of a very steep ravine. I can still remember the field of lilacs today. It was the most beautiful place. We ran and played for what felt like hours until we were all tired and laying down on the purple flowers. I remember thinking how odd it was that we'd never found the field before, but being about seven years old, I shrugged the thought away pretty quickly. I told my brothers we should probably go get our cousins, so we turned back towards the trees to walk to them. We were so excited to show them the field, plus we figured they'd be worried. We passed the large oak tree again and ran to them to tell them about the amazing field of lilacs in the ravine. My oldest cousin looked at me, weird, and said, What are you talking about? I just looked over to check on you guys a few minutes ago and you were right over there playing in the creek. I grabbed him by the hand and started pulling him to where we saw the tree. We walked and walked until I realized it wasn't there anymore. My oldest cousin looked frustrated and said that we were going too far from the house and there's nothing more to see here. I sighed as he directed us to go back to our grandfather's house. I continued to always look for the field of lilacs, but I never could find it again. As an adult, I've looked on a map to see if there's a field nearby the ravine, but there isn't. I guess my brothers and I will never know for sure how we came across that field. I really love that because that's got such a a summer feeling to it. This this sort of sense of mystery in the summer. Or it was a trap set by the fairies to kidnap human children. Well, well that was going to be my next point. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh. I mean, I'm glad you said it and not me because I don't think I'm allowed <laughs> to say that word anymore. But uh, but yeah, that that did occur to me. The fact they were playing in the creek. Yeah. Oh, man, it, it reminds me of there's that scene in uh, Tenacious D's Pick of Destiny. Okay. Where yeah, I believe it was that movie where Jack Black's character is, is high as hell. And he's imagining, I think, rolling even in a field or something. 
but he's oh, actually just being washed yes, down the rapids of this river. Yes, 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 yes. I remember that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I would love to have that experience of seeing a place and then realizing that it never existed. Right. Um, but I, I don't want all the attendant concerns, which are maybe that someone is or something is trying to spirit you away. Yeah, it's a little scary, actually. <laughs> yeah, and, and I'm just going through it here. Was it an oak tree? Uh, yeah, an oak tree with which had not yet turned. So I think there is some significance to oak trees. Oh, as well, okay. possibly involving our our friends who I shall not name. Right. If any of our listeners out there, if you are aware of any kind of spiritual significance to oak trees or folkloric significance to oak trees, let us know. I, I know I've had this conversation again with Steve and Rachel because Steve is from a very weird little town that has a bunch of oak trees. Oh, okay. And supposedly at night, especially going out that way, feels very, very hinky. But, um, you know, I've got like 11 Gary Oaks in my backyard, right? Oh, do you? I do. Oh, lucky you. So I'm kind of hoping they're, oh, they just bring goodness and light. That's what I want to hear. I don't know. You ever go up told me at night? That that thing is covered with, uh, oh, I know. Gary Oaks I and know. it feels I very know. bad. <laughs> oh, man. Even in the daytime, I don't know. I, I'll look around and I think something doesn't feel right like it's a lovely spot and i love having our our takeout sushi up there but there are times where i think oof well i wouldn't be out yeah i wouldn't want to be up there at night no way no so thank you so much for that story grace and we're glad that you didn't end up staying in the trees forever mm-hmm. not that that's definitely what's going to happen but it's uh you know i wouldn't dismiss the possibility either <laughs> this story comes from joshua this is a shot in the dark but i figured i'd give it a go Maybe someone has heard of this before and can offer insight. Without going into much detail, when I was a child, I would occasionally feel bursts of dread and completely lose it in the middle of the night. It wasn't a normal child's tantrum or fear of the dark or monsters. I expressly knew I was going to die and going in the dirt. My mother would sit up with me trying to calm me down, but it never helped and I would wear myself out until I fell asleep. Now, I'm sure I could have overheard a conversation about dying that fucked me up subconsciously, what makes it weird, and what still to this day scares me to death when I think about it, is that my vision would go completely black, and a large round gray stone would start to fill my vision either from the left to right, or right to left. I could still hear everyone around me though. When I saw it, the feeling of dread intensified more than I can explain. I can remember how it smelled and tasted, even though it was never really there. Once it was out of my field of vision, I could see my actual surroundings again. This would go on for a while. Things picked up from there, paranormal-wise. Dreams or nightmares when I was an adult in very real, very weird situations. Like a recurring nightmare, at the same age range, between four and six, where I was a full-grown woman trying to get away from a man with a knife. I remember how I looked, how he looked, the room I was in, and the furniture to this day. I eventually stopped seeing the stone, but weird things kept happening. I even stood beside and spoke with a fully cloaked person who had just vanished. I was eight and thought it was my mom in a bathrobe. They were as real as anyone else I've ever seen, but never spoke back, and I never saw their face. My childhood wasn't the best and was emotionally traumatizing, so I can't help but to think that this may have been something mental at such a young age, but the causes of my trauma didn't take place until after I noticed these things. I've been helped by medical professionals since and haven't been diagnosed with anything to cause such hallucinations. I'm mostly interested in the stone and what it could represent. Everything else, as I am aware, is standard paranormal fare, which, in a way, makes it easier to write off. 
I've never heard of anyone blacking out and seeing slash feeling slash tasting stone before. When I say that thinking about the stone still scares me, I don't mean that what it could represent is scary. I mean I can still feel slash sense the same dread when I think about it, instantly remembering the dusty smell and mineral taste. It's so weird. So this one's uh, this one's for you, buddy, because I I am not really sure, and interpretation is not really my bag. I read that, and honestly, I don't know what to make of it. Really, it's the weirdest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> That's saying something considering how many conversations we've had. Right. Um, I, I do believe that he had an experience. I think it was slightly paranormal. Whatever it was, was trying to torment him. But in terms of him having that vivid of a dream and being that age and all those other things going with it, it just makes no sense. I mean, do you think, and this is pretty far out there, but it's the ghost story guys, not the rationalist guys. So uh-huh. probably do you think that it could be possible that he's somehow seeing or feeling someone else's uh, death or experience yeah, it could of be. their death? Yeah, it, I think it could be something coming to him and trying to show him what it's right. like or what happened to them. Yeah, and, and sort of in, in kind of an impressionistic way because, you know, he said that the, the direction the stone came from changed. Well, yeah, and, and the other part was being that young, he would have no way of blocking that, right? Oh, of course. Yeah. So that's why I think it probably went to him, but without really understanding what was happening or or anything else. It seems like a kind of a cruel, pointless torment thing to do. um, Yeah, no kidding. To a little kid, but I don't know. Interesting. Well, audience, we're going to throw this one out to you. you Has anyone else ever heard of this? Because this is a new one on me. Yeah. Yeah. Same here. If anyone has any suggestions, ghoststoryguys at gmail.com. Let us know because we're we're very very curious to uh, to see if anyone has any wisdom that we can then pass along to Joshua and maybe give mm-hmm. him some answers. Mm-hmm. Our last story comes from Kristen. Hello, my name is Kristen, and this happened a few years ago, shortly after my younger sister died in a car accident. I have described myself in the months after her death as having gone BSC for a short while. She was twenty three, and it was very unexpected, and we were fairly close. As an atheist, I don't really believe in life after death or ghosts in the traditional sense. But in my grief, I sought to find proof that maybe there was something more so that I could believe I would see her again. After a month of reading books and watching ghost documentaries, I drove about two hours to meet with a friend to see the Flatliners remake with the hope that it would have another theory to latch onto, even if it didn't actually have proof. If you've seen the movie, you'll know that wasn't the case. Right off the bat, I watched the main character lose her younger sister in a car crash, which was totally unexpected for me and triggered a bit of anxiety. I got through it, took my friend home, and then began the long drive home by myself, grieving all the way. I would like to take a moment to reiterate that I was a little crazy at this point and in the midst of a mental breakdown that I was not getting any real help for. So while I would like to believe this actually happened, I do wonder if I wasn't just snapping that night. I got on the highway and was feeling incredibly overwhelmed in my grief. So after making sure there weren't any other cars around me, I started to scream as loud as I could. I screamed until my throat hurt. And then I just became angry and I started to yell at my late sister. I accused her of leaving me alone and abandoning me. I can't remember all of what I said. It was angry and nonsensical because the accident was just that and it wasn't anyone's fault. Just bad luck. 
At some point, it occurred to me to turn on the AM radio. I don't know if I was hoping for a response as much as I wanted white noise, but I do know that I was hoping for something. Suddenly over the radio, I heard my sister crying. I knew what her sobs sounded like, and it shocked me into silence. I could hear her sobbing, and repeatedly through the static I could hear, I didn't leave you, over and over again until I verbally agreed that she hadn't left. A lot of this was through static and radio scanning, and it happened over an hour and a half where they're driving, so I'll clean it up some. The next thing I was able to make out was, I love you, again, repeated over and over through the static until I responded out loud. Then I heard her say, did you coffee? I didn't understand and said so. And then I heard coffee cup as if she was trying a new tactic. I thought hard and then remembered that when we had gone through the things that had come back from her office, there were a couple of coffee cups in there, but her friend had chosen to take those. I asked if that was what she was referring to. Again, I heard, did you coffee? Did you bring coffee cup? When I could make out bring, I instantly remembered that a few weeks previous to that, only six weeks after her death, it had been my birthday. And I'd been so upset that the we wouldn't go for coffee like we had before. So I had gone to Starbucks and bought us both of us a coffee. And I'd poured her cup onto the spot where her ashes were buried. I was so excited to understand that I started to shout, yes, yes, I brought you coffee. That was me. I brought you coffee. This is where I started to believe I might be speaking to her and not just filling in the static with what I wanted to hear because it had taken me a long time to decipher that. I started telling her I missed her. I asked her if the person she dreamed about a year before she died had really been a grim reaper type figure. Right after the dream, she texted everyone she knew to ask if they were okay, because she had seen the guy in her dream before her grandma died and it had left her shaken. I think she confirmed, but to be honest, this is where I got hazy and where she started to get different. She began to repeat the word quiet and warned me that we weren't alone. Again, this was through station scanning and a lot of repetition and me asking for clarification so I might have misinterpreted. I did ask if she was happy and safe, and I was told she had to be quiet. I asked her what was it like, or if she could tell me, and I got back the word no, and a request for silence. The atmosphere in the car changed, and I began to wonder if I was still talking to my sister. I got nervous, and shortly after that, I lost the communication that I knew for sure was her, and stopped. It was enough for me that I didn't try that for a while after. I can't explain what scared me exactly. Maybe the religious upbringing and being told that you could invite things in. And with two kids, one of whom said things that make me question whether I don't believe in ghosts or not, I didn't want to mess with something very quickly feeling out of control. I'm not sure how much later this happened, but I worked afternoons and generally got off work between midnight and 2 a.m. One night I came home, creeping like a burglar so as not to wake anyone. I remember sitting to eat and then going straight to bed with my then boyfriend as I started to doze off. I heard footsteps in the hallway. Assuming it was one of my children getting up to go to the bathroom, I watched the ceiling waiting for the hall light to come on, and after maybe a minute when it didn't, I shrugged it off and blamed the dog. Then I realized she was tucked behind my legs and definitely hadn't been in the hallway. Creeped out, I still shrugged it off and tried to go back to sleep. Then I felt my blanket get yanked by my feet. 
Unable to come up with a decent rationale for that, I settled for it having slipped off the bed and tucked it under my feet. I started to doze, only to be jerked awake by growling. At first I blamed the dog, but realized she was still tucked behind me and very asleep. She was also a big enough dog at 60 pounds that if she'd growled, I would have felt her vibrate against me. This time I decided I must have been half asleep and dreaming. So I yet again tried to sleep, but this time my heart was racing, so I began some calming breaths until I started to doze off. This time the blanket untucked by my shoulder and was yanked, and I'd finally had enough. I made myself a Kristen burrito and mumbled something like, I'm going to sleep, goddammit, and we are done now. The next morning I told my boyfriend what had happened, and he ensured me I was just dreaming, and I agreed. My then four-year-old, the one who everyone thinks can see things, my creepy one as I describe him, came in the room and said, it wasn't a dream, Mom. It was the clown. There are plenty of other stories, especially about my son, who is seven now. In fact, I try to write horror stories, and most of them are based on the creepy things he said to me. But these two, I think, are probably connected, and have been weighing on me for whatever reason lately. Probably because I'm a few months away from the third anniversary of her death. For the record, that car has had electrical issues at the wazoo since then, and is currently waiting on a $500 repair. I have not used the radio like that again, other than one other time with no result. I'm not sure what I believe anymore. I'd like to believe, but I'm hesitant. So th there is so much to talk about. Oh my goodness, yes. Like, I, I, I'll let you start. <laughs> well, I have some experience with those random word things, like, you know, the sound generators, and they roll through stations, and they pull out words, and then you... Oh, the ghost box, I think they're yeah, 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 yeah. I used one of those at a ghost investigation I went to somewhat against my will. It was interesting. It was interesting, in, in, because it was a real hit and miss kind of thing. Like, sometimes what it was saying was very much related to what we were talking about, and other times, not at all, right? So. Right. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, for her, I mean, she kept saying, well, maybe I'm crazy. Maybe I was going crazy. Grief does make us crazy, 100%. Right. But I don't know that grief makes you crazy enough to experience stuff like that. Yeah, that, that is a whole other beast. That's, I don't think that's a hallucination. No, I don't either. And it sounded like her sister really, really needed to, to talk to her and connect with her but then was not allowed to go any further with it. You know what I mean? Well, see, that fascinates me. That's, that gives me chills because years ago, uh, after my, my mater paternal grandmother died, right. and we, we were not terribly close, but you know, we, we saw each other a lot, but I, I, didn't, I don't think she liked me, and I didn't really like her. <laughs> I mean, I, I loved her, but I didn't like her, you know? Yeah. After she died, I had a dream. We were sitting in my aunt's house and we were talking. And it was actually nice to talk to her because she had been very sick towards the end. Right. And she was in good health. And, and she was still elderly. But we were chatting and we were, you know, nothing, nothing, you know, really world shaking was said. It was just sure. a conversation. But then her eyes changed. It was like her eyes were being stretched to the side inside her skull. Okay. And when they snapped back, they were yellow. Oh. And this really deep voice said, and I don't remember the specifics anymore, but I remember the image. It said, this is against the rules. You can't do this. Oh. You should not be doing this. That's interesting. And then I, I remember back in 08, 
three years after my grandfather died. And my grandfather and I were, were very close. I think I mentioned this before. Like my dad and I, uh, for various reasons, don't have a relationship. And we right. haven't spoken in a very, very long time. But my grandfather and I were very close. Right. And so when he died, it was a real blow. And then three years later, I was in England uh, with, with Nikki. And I had a dream. And in the dream, I was standing in a pasture. And the pasture had this fence, sort of like a fence, um, almost like a cattle run or something. Right. And I saw a man at the other end who looked like my grandfather. It was quite a ways away, but he waved at me. And so I started walking towards him. He got pretty close. And I was like, yeah, that's that's him. But then when the guy finally came close enough for me to really see his face, I saw, oh, no, it's it's not him. Right. But he, at the very last second as we passed each other, this this old man tipped me a wink. And in that moment, I knew it was him. Oh, interesting. But he was not allowed to reveal himself to me. Yes. Yes. And there is one more thing that I thought I'd mention um, that reminded me of, is, and that is the one and only time I've smoked salvia. Okay. Are you familiar with salvia? I have heard of it, yeah. Okay. So so for our listeners, it's, it's a very mild hallucinogen. Um, I have a reasonably mild hallucinogen. Um, but so I, I, I smoked this back in 2008 with some friends. It was a, it was a strange year. <laughs> but uh, I smoked it, and for for a while, nothing happened. And the thing with salvia, it, unlike, say, um, acid, acid lasts a very long time. Right. Salvia is meant to be about 5, 10 minutes. Right. It, you exhale, and, and I've heard some really intense stories about salvia. So I exhaled. Nothing really happened at first, and I thought, oh, okay, this is bullshit. But then it gathered itself, almost like it, like it was gathering itself. Mm-hmm. And then I just zonked, and I remember seeing feeling my grandfather near me and he showed me a place i was not supposed to see i couldn't see all of it right he was showing me snippets of it and it was a golden parade it was this beautiful golden parade but i Mm. could only see like flashes of it in passing i I wasn't allowed to actually like see it see it Hmm. so this concept of rules and, and and this possibility that even my interest in this this multi-eyed creature that's said to guard the veil between you know our like between life and death you know right. like it, there's very much the sense of well there's only so far you're supposed to go interesting but what i find fascinating about, about the story that Kristen told us is like who is enforcing those rules right are they sort of like a um sort of looking for like a like a non uh non-partisan kind of a just a, a rule keeper no it's i told you it's like beetlejuice oh right of course there's me. a whole there's a whole um government part of it that goes on of course how could i be so stupid as to forget? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god but yeah you wonder is is it that they're that they're breaking a rule or is it that something else started mm-hmm. to infringe on the conversation or was mm-hmm. attracted by their connection yeah no it's interesting because that scares the shit out of me especially yes. since she thinks it's connected to this growl yes you know that that thing she heard in the house which yeah really is i is i think it's probably more frightening than even the shadow man because the idea of something growling you know at least a shadow man it's almost like there's a human intelligence there yeah but a growl that's that's something else completely yep no i'm not cool with that at all <laughs> no and the clown like the idea of the clown to a growling clown this is pants changing stuff well it's nightmare fuel 100 yeah it yeah. legitimately is nightmare fuel yeah. it's like the was it season four of american horror story twisty yep. or whatever his name was yep yep but powered up to about 12 i completely agree 
Oh, it's fascinating. Yeah, no, but amazing story, Kristen, and thank you for sharing it with us. I'm so sorry about your sister. Those sudden and extreme losses are just, they're bewildering and they would knock anybody sideways. So I, yeah. I totally get it. Yeah, and, and thank you so much for sharing with us. I guess that's it. That's going to do it. That's our, our listener stories for tonight. Thank you to everyone who wrote in and shared your stories with us. If you have a story to share, send it to ghoststoryguys at gmail.com. And we will do our best to get it on the air. We have a lot of stories and we're trying to work through them as best we can. But uh, (laughs) even if it doesn't necessarily make it to air, we will absolutely read it. We are always curious, you know, knowing more helps us better understand these things. And that's very much what we're all about. So thank you again to everyone who wrote in. And if you want to share, ghoststoryguys at gmail.com. We'll be right back with our patron shout outs and listener mail. Welcome back. Thanks, as always, to the rest of the team, Luke Greensmith, Anthony Germain, and Sarah Kent for their work on this and every episode. We truly couldn't do it without you guys. You help us so, so stinking much. So thank you. And first up, we have our patron shoutouts. Of course, we'd like to thank all our patrons. You guys are what allow us to keep doing this. It means the world to us that you keep helping. Uh, really, really does, especially now. And so we'd like to thank all our patrons, but we'd especially like to thank our new patrons. They are Ashley Blackman, Leah Malcolm, Athanasia, and thank you for including a pronunciation guide to your name. Victoria Finney, Stephanie, Tammy, Mikey Pantoya, Fiona, Stephen Dunn, Carrie McShane, and Sharon. Thank you so much, guys. Again, you uh, you make all this possible. Uh, again, allows me to uh, treat the show as a part-time job now. I can draw a bit of a salary and focus more on it. And uh, as a result, we will have some changes coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, nothing, we can't really get specific yet. No. But we have uh, a, an idea that we're trying to bring to sort of completion. I don't know if that's the right word. It's <laughs> some uncomfortable associations. <laughs> we're trying to reach completion on this. Uh, <laughs> Concentrate, curl your toes. <laughs> Again, we, we can't get into it yet because we don't have a fully formed uh, idea of what it's going to be, but it's going to really uh, involve a drastic rework of the C-segment of the show. And again, we won't say anything more than that until we have a more concrete idea, but my being able to focus on the show as a part-time job has enabled us to do that, and that's entirely thanks to you guys. So thank you so much. If you want to join the team, head on over to patreon.com slash guys. That's patreon.com slash guys. We have tiers at the 1, 5, 10, 20, and $50 levels, and you get access to all kinds of cool stuff, like exclusive stickers, our monthly Cabin Fever show, which is an opportunity for me and Ian to just shoot the shit in a way that we don't have room for in the main show anymore. We also have our monthly live show. You also get access to Ian's smash hit, Christian Country album, Aware of Wonder, and a selection of art cards featuring My Night Photography and a whole lot more. For more information, head on over to patreon.com slash guys. Next up, we have listener mail. Our courteous and efficient staff is on call 24 hours a day to serve all your supernatural elimination needs. We're ready to believe you. Of course, we'd like to thank everyone who reaches out to us, whether it's through our email at ghoststoryguys at gmail.com or on Instagram at theghoststoryguys, Twitter at ghoststoryguys, or on Facebook at ghoststoryguys. 
If you do want to share a story, please send it to the email at ghoststoryguys at gmail.com. Please don't send it via social media. It will likely get lost, but you can send us a message wherever you like, and we will always see it uh, again. And we will try to include it on the show as much as possible. We'll try to reply where we can. And uh, just know that no matter what you send, we are reading it. Even if we don't respond, we are absolutely reading it, reading your comments, your questions, your gentle criticisms. We are reading it all, taking it all on board. And this time around, we, we have a selection of email that we wanted to respond to. First up, we had a beautiful email from Staniel, who said that listening to our catalog helped him and his girlfriend come to terms with their own experiences and help them better own their psychic space. Uh, he also broke down the difference between his own experiences with the paranormal and his own struggles with mental health. And, and I think that's a really valuable thing to do mm -hmm. because I think there is this tendency among certain groups to sort of lump them all together. Right. You know, if you're seeing a shadow man, well, that's, you know, that's your, uh, your mental illness. Right. You know, that's your, where, or, or, you know, you're, uh, you don't have mental illness. It's just the demons, you know, right. I think it's right. And they yeah. can be congruent, unfortunately. That's it. Yeah. It, yeah. it doesn't have to be an either or proposition. Mm -hmm. Um, actually uh, on that subject, I wrote two thirds of the way through the book gone at midnight. Okay. Which which is about the death of Elisa Lam at the Cecil Hotel in Los right. Angeles. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I don't know that I'd recommend the book, but what I didn't realize and what the author makes quite clear by going through her own uh, blog posts and Tumblr posts was that Elisa suffered uh, very deeply with mental health. Yes. And I, I didn't really understand that. And there is uh, a strong suggestion uh, as a result of the toxicology results that she had gone off at least one of her meds. Oh, no. Yeah, in the days leading up to her death. Hmm. And so I'm not going to speculate about the cause of her death, the ultimate cause, because I just, it's irresponsible. It's not the point of the show. But, you know, that is someone who was clearly suffering with mental health problems based on her own posts. Right. But she was also in a place that is deeply, deeply haunted hmm. and has an, a profound effect on people who go there. Oh, wow. Like I, I walked past the Cecil Hotel and right. it was like a sandblaster on my psyche. Like I, yeah, we talked about this on our um, uh, Los Angeles part three episode. And I talked about how I, I walked past that place and then I was way more sensitive for mm. the remainder of my trip. Right. I couldn't get settled because I was suddenly aware of things around me everywhere. Well, and, so, and that's the thing. And I, I, I don't think you can discount that. Like if someone who is in a delicate place mentally ends up in a, in a, in a pretty scary zone spiritually, that's not going to end well. No, no, that's it. I, I think it makes you more vulnerable. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So we're really, really happy to know that we could, uh, we could help you guys out. Daniel. Um, we also got a, an email from Roderick who reached out to say he'd binged the whole catalog since listening to his first show in March, oh, juice, and is now bummed out he has to wait two weeks between shows. He also mentioned a pretty wild dream about a commando raid that ended with him and a beautiful blonde launching a nuke against West Virginia. And yikes, that's that's some dream. Um, uh huh. If anyone out there has got their finger on the button, leave West Virginia alone. Uh, there are people. <laughs> there are people I like there. That's funny. I mean, leave everywhere alone. Don't nuclear weapons. Yeah, bad, maybe just no. Nuclear yeah. weapons are bad. I don't think that's a very controversial statement. <laughs> that's that's well. You know what? At this point, I wouldn't be surprised. Well, probably someone will disagree with me. I'm sure. But uh, yeah, no, no nuclear weapons. Take up building ships and bottles instead. <laughs> 
And uh, yeah, th- thank you, Roderick. And just a little plug, you know, if, if you're if you're hard up for content, there's always the Patreon. You know, <laughs> there's lots of extra shit in there. We had a message from Gus saying that the final story of episode 89, where someone heard their brother giggle from his bed, only to discover that he wasn't in bed, hit home for him. Uh, he says that one morning during the school year, he woke up at about 5.30 and heard his younger brother cackle, uh, then say something in what sounded like Russian. And Gus says, my 13-year-old Mexican-American brother then said goodnight and turned around in bed, all while his eyes completely shut. When I tell you I ran, oh brother, I ran. Don't blame him. Nope. That's wise, Gus. You are, yep. uh, this is a strong survival instinct. <laughs> Sharon wrote in to say that my story about traveling up Anarchist Mountain in the Okanagan touched a nerve with her as she and her daughters passed through the area a couple times once at night. They said the whole thing was very creepy and one daughter actually had extreme vertigo and motion sickness on her way down the mountain into the town of Asoyus. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. It's just a weird space spiritually. Yeah, I, I got to get down there. I mean, it's that like whole valley is just so odd. I'm really drawn to it. <laughs> but it is, is now, weird. And I wouldn't go in the woods by myself at night. That's for sure. Oh, God, no. Uh-uh. Is that now a Soyuz? Is, so that's that valley is near, or Anarchist Mountain is near a Soyuz? Yeah, just outside. Because I know there's a, I'm told at least, there used to be a strong white supremacist presence down in that area. Oh, interesting. So yeah. I, I, I wonder if, you know, there's a little bit of that mojo. Huh. That's and very interesting. I, I've heard, um, I have to be very vague, but I've heard stories about parties uh, in that area sponsored by certain um, motorcycle enthusiasts. Oh, yes. Yes. That would uh, surprise me. Yeah. And uh, these are firsthand accounts of these things happened. But there was, shall we say, uh, a, a, a vibe. <laughs> so, yeah, it's very, very possible. That is not all of it, because I think that area has just got mojo. But I think it's also that doesn't help. Right. Exactly. Sue got in touch to say she was desperate to find a copy of Richard Estep's Spirits of the Cage after hearing his interview on our show way, way back in year one. Uh, she also disagreed with our assessment of the original It miniseries and asked us about our paranormal take on the Dark Tower series. She also suggested a reason why we may have a problem with a certain people because of my conduct on episode 27. I, I'm actually surprised that Spirits of the Cage is out of print. That was a pretty good book. Mm-hmm. That was one you really enjoyed. I, I did. I did. Yeah, I really liked it. Uh, Sue, so if you're listening, check out Abe Books if you haven't already. I know um, they have a lot of stuff that you otherwise may not expect to find. We've ordered a few uh, rare books from there ourselves, so you may get lucky. And sometimes you get really good deals. It's actually better price than, uh, pardon me, it's actually better price than used books on Amazon, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which can Definitely. be ludicrous. Um, as for the uh, It miniseries, no, you are wrong. It is bad. <laughs> we love you, but it is wrong. <laughs> and uh, the Dark Tower series, I have never read them. I haven't either, which is weird because I've read all his other stuff. Yeah, same here. I, I, well, I should say I read The Gunslinger, and I read part of Drawing of the Three, and I lost interest. Um, yeah, but I haven't read I do, any of them. I should. Yeah, if you do, let me know. I'm curious. Yeah. I do think it's, – it's hard to say because I, I feel like this is one of those things where everyone wants their favorite author to have some kind of like secret insight. Right. You know, like the people who think HP, who think H.P. Lovecraft was drawing on something other than just old-timey racism. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I I do think King has a bit of a connection with something. I don't think he realizes it. Right. 
I think it, I think it's there, and I I think that he does absolutely connect with something because there are certain crossovers in his work that that connect with real life paranormal phenomena. Yeah, and, and, there are and, themes for sure. Yeah, and and even some sort of some sub Rosa stuff, some stuff that you you wouldn't necessarily think about unless you knew, right? And I mean, he's been around doing this for a very long time, so he may just know and be weaving that in. But I I do think sometimes creativity just naturally brushes up against the paranormal Mm -hmm. and i think the two there's often a a lot of crossover there yep i would agree also the miniseries is is very bad (laughs) and oh the episode 27 thing i'm not even gonna say the name but yeah no you're absolutely right she suggested that because i i apparently said some pretty dipshitty stuff because i didn't understand what i was messing with back then right and um I, I believe it's 27. And uh, I know Rachel mentioned this to me as well recently. She said, you know, we went back and listened to this episode with a friend and you were pretty cavalier in your attitude towards these people. And <laughs> yeah, I was a dumbass is a short version. <laughs> and lesson, well, lesson learned. Every now and again, I slip, uh, but I will I'll be endeavoring not to do that because oh. I don't need that kind of hassle. And made our day with her email and the first part of which I'm just going to read out here. First off, I want to thank you for everything you've done to help so many of us get through these past few months. I know that I'm not just speaking for myself when I say that hearing you guys sharing your own thoughts and struggles, in addition to some pretty awesome stories, has made a real difference. Which I guess leads me to my next point, which is kind of the same point, lol. You make a difference. Please, please do not stop. You are real and quite hilarious, and the genuine kindness and spirit of generosity that you both have is always so apparent. Okay, we'll work harder covering that up. Sometimes <laughs> sometimes the scary things are much more concrete than shadow people, and sometimes our shadow people are walking around in our lives, living and breathing and making question our own sanity. That's for sure. You always, in a way that's almost uncanny, seem to reach out with words of acceptance or encouragement just when I most need to hear it. And I am positive that this is the case for many, many of your listeners. So thank you so much. Wow. I know I'm uncomfortable. I know. I hope Anne never meets us because God, the poor woman. And the disappointment. She will be so, she'll be like, oh, oh no. They're so sweaty. (laughs) That's funny. That's really sweet though. Thank you for that, Anne. Yeah, thank you. It's been a tough year. Mm -hmm. We've had some tough spots. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we got through it, but we got through it because we didn't want to disappoint you guys. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like once we got through it, we realized, oh, yeah, no, right. We're we're idiots. We like this. But, um, yeah, there have definitely been rough spots this year. And stuff like that is what keeps us going. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so, so, so much. And, again, thank you to everyone else who wrote in who we couldn't get to on this show. We're working on a way that we may be able to respond to a little more email, but that's down the road. Mm Mm-hmm. But again, if you want to get in touch, ghoststoryguys at gmail.com is the best way to do it. Or you can call the ghost line. There's something strange in your neighborhood. Who are you going to call? Ghost line. Call one 888 Huge thanks to our listener, Amber Pease, for her fabulous ghost line jingle. If you want to get in touch, that's one 588 6920 That's the number to call, and that is a toll-free number. Should be anywhere in North America. You can call and leave your story as a voicemail or a series of voicemail, depending on how long it is. And we have had a number of people call in 
Uh, we're going to share one of those messages here today. And then again, when we finally develop a proper format for this thing we keep hinting about, uh, we will be sharing the rest of those calls then and other calls that come in that are longer we're gonna those will also go in there so if you do call and you leave a story don't think that we are not paying attention don't think that we're not going to use it uh it's just when people actually started using the ghost line we realized oh shit we have to come up with a better way to present these Mm -hmm. uh but uh again we're working on it however i would, would like to play this call from kaylee Hey guys, my name's Kaylee, um, and I just want to start by saying I wrote I wrote Ian, you know, a couple weeks ago. You guys really helped me get through my my dog passing. Um, we were going through the doctors and stuff. I was listening to your podcast, and it made me laugh and feel good. So thank you for inadvertently being there. I also just wanted to call and mention um, if you guys have ever heard of this thing called the Vardoger, which is kind of like a doppelganger, but it's like preemptive. So like you know, oh one day I heard my mom come in you know, bringing the groceries in. And I went downstairs and she wasn't there, but then five minutes later she actually came in and unloaded the groceries. So it's actually like some kind of, uh, I think it's like Norwegian. It's a ghost called the Vardoger, uh, V-A-R-D-O-G-E-R, I think. Um, It's interesting to kind of check out, sort of um, kind of creepy fits along with the previous episode's theme. Uh, Much love to you guys. Thanks for all the stuff you do, all the good vibes. Take care. Thank you so much for the kind words, Katie. And we're happy we could uh, we could help you through uh, the dark spot. Uh, we're again sorry to hear about your dog. I know it's never easy to lose a pet. On the subject of the Vardiger, I don't have any firsthand experience with him, but I, I am familiar with the concept. And interestingly, if it's since we're speaking of pets, the Vardiger, which as Kaylee mentioned, is uh, seems to be a, sort of like a um, a preemptive doppelganger. You know, so you will hear someone come home before they actually come home. They're not sinister, but before your wife comes home, you hear her come through the door and you hear all the things that would happen when she comes home, all the sounds. You don't see her as I understand it. You just, you hear it. So with that in mind, it does kind of remind me of Rupert Sheldrake and the work he's done with pets who seem to be able to predict when their owners are coming home, despite the fact that it's happening maybe on an uneven schedule. And you're going to have to look it up to really get the full details because we can't really go into it here. But Sheldrake did a huge amount of these experiments, allegedly, with household pets at various times. You know, they varied the schedule because obviously you could say that uh, the pet just knew what time the owner habitually comes home. So they did a number of these tests with the owners coming home at random. And by and large, the animals seemed to know ahead of time when the person was coming home, no matter when it was this this happened in the day. And I know there was a skeptic who refuted Sheldrake's claims, and I'm, I've heard that his sample size was much smaller than Sheldrake's. You know, he tried to repeat the experiment and came up empty. So he said, well, it's not a repeatable result. It's not a repeatable result. Therefore, it's not scientific. But I'm I'm given to understand that Sheldrake's sample size was much, much larger. And so if that is the case, it may be there is some kind of crossover there between animals who know you're coming home and this Vardiger, this idea that something precedes you when you come home. I, I don't know what that connection would be, but it's maybe worth thinking about. Thank you so much for calling in. And if you don't want to call, you can also text the ghost line. That's a slightly different number. That number is... 925-553-4789. Again, that's 925-553-4789. You can text the ghost line. You can send us 
pictures, any kinds of messages, whatever you want to do, text it there and we will read it. And we've had a number of them come through and I'm going to share a couple here. We had a message from Jackie. She said, Coastery guys, you guys are amazing. I've been listening since episode one and can't wait for episode 100. It's been quite a journey. And uh, yeah, has it ever. So <laughs> thank you so much, Jackie. I want to be clear about something. We had a message from another listener and I didn't include it in the mail, but she said, I know you guys don't like compliments, but, and the truth of the matter is we love compliments. <laughs> We're just bad at receiving them. Exactly. But we do we love, really appreciate them. Always, always, always. Yeah. We also had a text from uh, our patron, Mark, and <laughs> he sent us uh, his some eggs he was frying that formed, shall we say, a suggestive shape. No, so impossible. I, I know. I don't believe it. He's such a proper guy. <laughs> and Bob also sent us a YouTube video, and I have not had a chance to watch that yet, Bob, but I will. He says, uh, what do you guys think? Pendulum effect or something more along the lines of Ouija? I encountered this as a teen in the early 90s when a group from my town chartered a van to go and see it. Uh, so, yes, I will I will have a look at that, and we'll maybe talk about it on the next show. So if you've got a story to tell or a comment for the show, make sure to give us a call at one 588 or text us at 925-553-4789. If you want to pick up some Ghost Story Guys merch, head on over to our website at ghoststoryguys.com. There you'll find links to our Tee Public store, our Redbubble store, and also, I know we've had some people asking about how they can donate to the show via PayPal. Some right. people don't want to go through Patreon. They just want to give us a one-time donation. That's totally cool. You can send that either to ghoststoryguys at gmail.com or by going to paypal.me slash ghoststoryguys. Or finally, if you just go to ghoststoryguys.com, follow the links, you will find it there too. And uh, they're all different ways to to send, some, uh, send a one-time donation if you don't want to become a patron. And we certainly thank you for it. And we will shout you out on the show. Please remember to rate and view us anywhere you get your podcasts. It helps increase our numbers and get more eyes on the show, and we certainly appreciate it. We've had some really lovely reviews come through, and we want to thank everyone who's done that. Our theme song, Radio, Into the Darkness We Go, is composed and performed by Peter of Pizzanta Music. You can find him online at soundcloud.com slash Music or everywhere you stream music. Our story's theme is The Future Belongs to Them Now by Hexagram. Find more from them by going to hexagram.bandcamp.com. That's Hexagram with two X's, not three, or by searching for Hexagram. Again, wherever you stream your music. All other music and sound effects on this show are provided courtesy of Epidemic Sound. If you're looking for pod-safe music or sound effects for your next project, head on over to epidemicsound.com and check them out. I guess that's going to do it. Mm-hmm. We'll be back in two weeks with another show, and until then... Into the darkness we go. Me a copy. So I could bring you a copy. He said, pushing his luck. Yeah, That's adorable. Yeah, you could bring me a copy. It'd be like so nice of you. And then tell you what, because you are lending me a tablet, I will bring you a copy. <laughs> <laughs> our, our fucking guardian angels, horrible, like horrible people, running back and forth. Shut the fuck up. No, no, no. Oh, I'm not allowed, I'm not allowed to tell those stories anymore. I misunderstood. I'm so sorry. Yeah, your aiming is bad.
Or oh. it's good. I don't know. Don't tell me. Don't tell me. La, 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 la. Gross. Uh, this is a couple weeks ago now. I was really, really stoned. So I, I ordered 7-Eleven from Skip. No, gross. What a mistake. Well, it's, that's not actually food. You are correct, sir. <laughs> oh, my God. She's like a reverse leprechaun. <laughs> She's kind of like the leprechaun from the movie Leprechaun. Yeah, exactly. Joy well, on the plus side, though, unlike that leprechaun, she leaves me alone. Ian, I'm not a very nice person. Well, I know you're not good with people. I was kind of hoping you would lie to me there, but that's fine. Oh, yeah, no, you're awesome. I don't know why you don't start working with children. Yeah, well, that's too far. We both know that's a <laughs> terrible, terrible idea. There's a line. Come on, even I can't lie to myself that much. <laughs> and it was very uncomfortable. Oh, no. Yeah, it was, it was gross. <laughs> even you were grossed out by <laughs> Even I, yeah, I, what, what does that tell you? <laughs> Jesus. That's funny. You bastard. <laughs> if you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. 